Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. A big welcome back to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. It's episode four of season four. And this week, we've a wee change in store. I am not joined by my esteemed co-host, John Cassidy. John is taking a well-deserved break, probably a spa break someplace and relaxing and unwinding. Like I say, well-deserved and well-earned. And you can probably follow whatever he is eating over on his Instagram and Twitter accounts. So, like I say, today's, this week's episode is somewhat of a change format and we have still got a cracker of an episode in store for you. We are really, really lucky and fortunate to speak to somebody who has done something recently which has really, really crowned what has been a fantastic rise through the distances at ultramarathon and yeah i think it's fair to say it came to a crescendo at the weekend at the gloucester 24 hour track race that person is none other than scotland's very own joe murphy joe has been a guest on our podcast before. She joined us along with her really good friend Iona Mackay um, back in season two. Go back and give that a listen because that was a lot of fun. But for this week's interview, we are joined by none other than Debbie Martin Kinsai, who helps me. Well, I say helps me. She actually just ends up asking all the questions which is brilliant because it made my job pretty pretty easy so i think we've got around about an hour or so chat with debbie and joe and the odd bit of me thrown in there as well for good measure um, but that's going to come up right next so yeah enjoy the podcast please connect with us on our instagram and twitter accounts you know that john and i love nothing more than getting a wee bit of crack and blether on the socials so get in touch with us and next week we shall return back to a more normal format of john and i um, having a bit of crack but yeah for this week, enjoy the episode with Joe and a big thanks to Debbie Martin Kinsani for filling the rather big shoes of John Cassidy this week. Enjoy, guys. Welcome along to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast, Joe and Debbie. How are we doing, guys? Good to see you both. Good, thank you. Great to be back. Awesome to see you too. We're going to, um, well, we've given Joe a wee question set that she's had lots of time to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're, we're going to kind of dive right in there. But we wanted to, before we speak about what has just happened, we, we wanted to get a wee bit more background um, on Joe as a runner. How, how did it all start? What, how did you manage to catch the, the running bug as such? And, it kind of started way back, like primary school, P7. I was a, I was a bit heavier, um, nothing drastic like, but just decided to go along to the school cross country, which was a few laps of a football pitch back then, but felt like miles um, and realised that I actually had quite a reasonable tank um, and I really enjoyed it. So then I was going up to high school and we had the, what's called like a feeder race in uh, all the primary schools going up to that high school they all compete so it was again a few laps around a, a football pitch so went along and actually won it and then the PE teacher at the high school kind of took me under his wing and got involved in like the school cross countries and things like that so it just gave me a little bit of an insight into what running might be like dipped in and out through high school and then got back into my early 20s after joining the police and then joined a running club and then here we are now. <laughs> the road Brilliant. to 24 was a long one. What is that? I said the road to your 24 is a long road. 
Yes. Like, you've always, like, since you started in primary school, you didn't do that thing where you fell off the wagon and just got drunk at uni and then realised you were two stone heavier when you were 25. And <laughs> like most other yeah, people. Yeah, no, not massively. I think um, I lost my mum when I was 16, so that was kind of a, a bit of a turning point for me. It could have probably gone one of two ways, but that was a bit of a driver for me. And I think when the worst thing could happen to you does happen there's no other way other than to either use it to motivate and move forward or uh, choose to take the wrong path so I would say that that was a bit of a catalyst into probably joining the police joining the running club meeting the people that I've met and then it's just it's opened up my eyes to what is possible both physically and mentally and I think I really enjoy like pushing myself and working hard and punishing myself um, and one thing that always sticks is Fiona Rennie who we all know and love who was in my running club um, she's always said pain is a luxury for the living um, and it sticks with me it just resonates on so many levels um, I think I would say that that's something I probably think about every time I do a long race or I'm in a bit of a pain cave that I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing that's true. That's a nice philosophy. I like that one. Although when mm-hmm. you see you're in the pain cave, I've had the um, the pleasure of witnessing a few of your races and you certainly don't look like you're in pain. You're like the smiling assassin, aren't you? She just goes around. Yeah. And, well, everyone talks about it. Cause I remember I'll, I'll talk about the ACP because obviously it's an important part of this conversation. But you like your mental fortitude and your just sunny disposition when you're out there is like something I've never seen before you know I'd like to think of myself as like quite a happy jolly person but I turn into like Gollum after about my <laughs> and refuse to eat and drink and everyone is just a pain in the ass so it, you know I'll, I'll jump in there so do you is there anything you do to to work on your mental attitudes or you know just making yourself seem like so happy how, how do you do that I mean sure I'm sure anyone <laughs> seen you would just love to know what your secret is because you surely um, surely you're suffering but yeah and I wouldn't say it's not down to just one thing I think everyone has experiences through their life when good things bad things happen to them and I suppose it's just how you choose to move forward and I always use a bad experience to motivate me to do better, um, whether that be I have a bad race or something bad happens at home or at work or involving people that I care about. Um, but I genuinely just love what I do. I love I love running and it's the time where I probably feel the most free. Um, it, it does get bad, don't get me wrong, but I think when I succumb to negative thoughts, it probably would ruin my race. So I try and keep smiling and I think if other people see you smiling, um, <laughs> just cheer them up but it just it just makes me feel better yeah you know, I think genuinely you always come across as you just love life like you're yeah. always happy you're always laughing you're always joking with people and so it's great that yeah. you can carry that over into racing so um let's just I'm obviously we're talking about your background and about how you're like super mm-hmm. happy so um let's just go back a few years and obviously you were selected to run in the Scotland team in 2019 which was your first Scotland best I said to Steve before before we had this chat I was like Joe was my wild card I really <laughs> wanted Joe on the team and I pestered her to join the team so I'm just gonna like take all credit going forward <laughs> well it's good to say that because there was a spell for about three or four years when Although I was racing and running and I was still performing well, but running just wasn't the priority. Um, I'd got married 2015 and I tried to have a family and through that time, just it, it just ultimately didn't materialise. And I remember Adrian Stock got in touch with me late 2018 and in early 2019 and yourself as well. And I declined it. And I, I genuinely just didn't think that I was good enough to be representing Scotland and I didn't want to represent and do badly so I thought no no I won't do it um but you got in touch again um and I thought do you know what 
I, I spoke to Iona and Derek and of course my husband. It's quite a big partnership we've all got. <laughs> um, and they all said that they believed I could do it and just to give it a go and it might never happen again. So I think I had about six weeks to prepare. And, but I wasn't by any means unfit, but I wasn't as fit as I'd want to be. But I think in going into that race, I was... I wasn't under any pressure. I just ran my own race and I just really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being around people who believed in me. And then to get the result that actually I was really chuffed with, um, it was nice that those who took a punt on me, it kind of worked out for the best. Yeah, I mean, I remember like after Christmas and asking you, I was like, just give it one last shot, you know. <laughs> Is there anything I can do to convince you to go? And I remember I, I didn't know the background of it and obviously I wasn't going to pry. But yeah. I that this has come as actually a really good time. I think, you know, yeah. what I need right now. So obviously I knew there was background to that. I didn't realise what the story yeah. was. And I think that just like everything that you do, even that, and I didn't know about your mum. So yeah. it's just... For you to well, come like that and just 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 for context, just it's the Anglo Celtic plate twenty nineteen we're speaking oh, about I, here. I that, but... No, you maybe didn't say it, but but it, North Inch obviously means so much to the hosts of this podcast is the North Inch, and um, and that was March twenty nineteen. Just to put that in the the timeline. Yeah. Well, I think you, I think you ran about eight thirty, and you were third. I mean, it was a great year. Yeah. We had the Scotland one, two, three with the women's team, and it was just yeah. a phenomenal day for the team all round. So you, I think your splits were like textbook. You were bang on the whole way, and I think people still talk about your splits in that race. So I mean, that was obviously a phenomenal um, debut, and then you were selected again on the back of that to run in Ireland in August. Yeah. But I guess again, I got to see like your mental attitude, but obviously backed with this phenomenal talent. But not only do you have this amazing speed, it's like your control within races. It's just like you ignore everything that's going on around about you. There's like it was obviously a really deep competitive field, and anyone who's under pressure in a Scotland vest, just watching all that race unfold, and for you to just sit back, control it, and just run your own race. So could you just tell us a little bit about how that race unfolded for you? Yeah, I mean, that that had come off the back of a really good block of training as well. Obviously, the 2020 ACP didn't go ahead, um, but I had been selected for that. And actually, I don't even think you're aware, but that was, you messaged me on a day that I had had some of the worst news I've ever had and you text me and offered up a spot and it was like the stars aligned and I thought do you know what just get your arse kicked in training and get fit so I spent all the 2020 getting fit um leading then into 2021 hopeful for another selection which I got and I had made a few changes to my training I kind of introduced a bit more bit more speed work and um, putting speed work into my longer runs. So I was running at a higher intensity than I probably had previously, but in doing that, I had to drop the miles by maybe 20 a week just to enable myself to, to do that. And I started to just feel fit and I felt ready. And I would say I went into that race um, just 100% prepared and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I executed it on the day um, there was so much going on around me. There's so many people doing so many things. Some people race quite erratically and it could be quite distracting, but I just try and keep the faith that if I continue running at the pace that I've set, I'll not only achieve my goal, but I'll hopefully start to kind of catch them up and maybe even lap them. So do you think like your race in 2019 gave you that confidence that you needed going into the 2021 race? Yeah, I would say so. I think if you remember back in 2019, I had been lapped by my three Scottish teammates and uh, multiple times lapped by the boys, but <laughs> I, I accepted that that would be the case. But I just had to remember, and I had to run that race based on my current level of fitness in 2019. And I knew that what I was, it was about 50 seconds or 40 seconds, maybe a mile slower than what I then did in this year's ACP 
but it was all relative to my fitness and I finished just feeling strong. So I knew that if I paced this race right again in 2021, that I, I should get the result that I want. But it's just not getting distracted and allowing other people's race to, to affect yours and change your plan. Because mm-hmm. the plan kind of has to be the same from start to finish, barring any mishaps or um, so it's plan A, B and C. And I think I pretty much was executing plan A to the T. To, to the oh, absolutely. So just uh, in, in terms of comparing your time, so you were about 8.30, I think, in Perth, is that right? And your time yeah. in uh, Ireland was 7.48? Uh, oh God, I should know this. I think it was seven fifty. Well, I think you were under. I don't know. Anyway, it was really fast. Yeah, <laughs> it was, and you were you were second in that race, um, uh, up against the Irish girl who runs a wicked fast marathon time. Um, so I had the joy of crewing for you during the ACP, which I'm not going to lie, it was a dream. You literally <laughs> drank anything I put towards you. And uh, you're always just so sunny and happy. Um, but I think your average pace was, what, 7.30s? Is that what you were? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a phenomenal pace for 100k. So that put you in contention for the GB team. And yeah. uh, so just moving on from that, because obviously we want to talk about what you did last weekend, and I'm going to move seamlessly into that. So you moved from the ACP, and then is it eight, nine weeks between that and the 24-hour? Yeah, pro- it was just about a couple of months, yeah. Yeah. So I, I know you already had the 24-hour booked before you did the ACP, is that correct? Yeah, I think my initial plan was I never thought a vest in the 100k for GB would ever be a possibility. So I was kind of banking on it maybe being a possibility in the 24 but then the 100k went so well that I thought I might have maybe overcooked the legs going into the 24. Um, but two months of slightly easier running. I say easier running. People will not agree if they see my Strava. But... It's really on Strava. It's just not, it's not easy to me. I'll show you easy running. Come out with me. <laughs> um, so is there anything you did specifically within that time? Because obviously you've gone from like a really fast 100k to moving on to 24 hours is there anything you did to adapt your training or you know to work on your recovery yeah I I was keen to introduce um a lot more massage gunning um yoga stretching um bit of strength work and trying to dial the pace back so I did a few sessions on the track running kind of at the nine minute mile pace and it might sound whether that's by no means slow but it's a real reduction in my cadence. It's a change in pace for me. So mm-hmm. you need to get used to running slower and running out with what would be a natural running movement for you. And I found six hours on the track at nine minute mile pace, absolutely exhausting. And I did have a bit of a wobble and I'd been down on my own. I'd fueled myself and I thought oh, that that was terrible. And I've got to do that four times. Um, so yeah, it was, it was some tough training leading up to it. So did you have a race strategy or did you have a plan in mind going into the race? I was avidly following it, like my little <laughs> scrolling, my little app throughout it. And uh, I was keeping in touch with Derek Fish, who was uh, who was crewing for you. So I was pestering him for updates all the time. <laughs> Shout out to Derek, because I think we all were. Oh, it was um, he was brilliant. It's like the call centre. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'll, I'll take another wee story about the conversation I had. So, um, so your race plan—I presume you went into that with a GB qualification uh, in mind, because obviously no one goes to run a twenty-four hours for shits and giggles. So let's just assume that that was always the plan. You don't need to be arrogant. We know it was the plan. So um, you were going into that race. Did you? At the end of the day, you ran just over two hundred and thirty kilometers, but the. GB qualification is probably in the region of about 220 now if you look or 222 if you look at the list of women who have qualified for the team so in terms of your your race strategy and your plan you, you followed your you did your own classic Joe you I mean it was a, a an elite field of maybe 16 17 people in the race yeah. so it wasn't like you didn't have 
you know, 70 year olds blocking the inside lane. So it was like, it was an elite field. And when I first started on a few hours down the line, you were like 15th, 16th on the leaderboard. And I was like, yes, this is brilliant. Watch this unfold. And you were starting to just pick your way through when it got to like six hours, eight hours, 10 hours. And then when I went to my bed and you were just starting to reel people in and, and I was like, this is wonderful. And then I got up in the morning and you were third overall. And I was like, <laughs> the thing is, I knew all of this was going to happen. So I was like messaging Derek and I was like, this is brilliant. Watch them all fall off and Joe will just reel them all in as the way that Joe does. So I presume that was always your plan, just to stick to your plan and uh, just work your way through or... Is there something else that you were thinking or were you just winging it? Uh, no, definite plan. And I have to a big shout out to Adrian Stott, who sent me through about 25 sheets of spreadsheets. Um, so it gave me a chance in the lead up to look. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking at the Scottish record. Of course I was. It was, it was within my kind of thought process. But ultimately I knew uh, Jen Coleman had run 140 miles. So I was looking to run more than 140 miles or as close to that as possible. Um, and I knew that that would be 10 minute miling, um, but I knew that that pace would drop off. So I set off about 9.30 pace. I ran with Sinead Kane, who runs with a, a guide runner. She was in lane two, I was in lane one, and we kind of chummed each other for about two hours. And it felt really comfortable. I wasn't sweating. I was conscious I was getting lapped and everyone was breathing hard. And I thought, just get a couple hours under your belt. And then I left Sinead, um, kind of heard myself around the track and um, latching on to various people just for a bit of conversation. And um, I ran with John Hammond for a bit, Joan Ewens, Jen Wood. And I think John Hammond was saying, like he was a bit maybe concerned about um, not going fast enough. And I'd said to him, like the pace that we were doing, we would, if we maintained that, we'd be 150 miles plus. And I was like, and we ain't going to do that. So it was just maybe a bit of reassurance for him and for me um, that what we were doing was right. So I felt probably for the first 60 hours, everything was going well and it was, I was relatively unscathed. My quads and hamstrings maybe got a bit tired um, and that never really worsened they just were the same whether I walked whether I ran so I just thought you just got to keep running um, but the pace did it tailed off it kind of naturally just on a slower curve um, and I look back at my splits I see that it's a tail off rather than a, a drastic drop which was the plan um, and it seemed to be executed pretty well Okay, I mean, that that's good. I mean, I put out some to our ACP team in our WhatsApp chat asking for uh, a few questions from the guys and uh, I expected maybe one or two of them to come back and then we were like bombarded with all these questions. So I guess one of the questions that came back from that is, you know, what's the good bits and the bad bits and is there any takeaways from that that you would do differently next time? Um, I think... I mean, I thought my fueling was really good. So I kind of set off active route, um, precision hydration, water. I had coke and leucozade in the latter stages and I was mostly fueling my gels and shot blocks. But there were hot meals on offer, which I stopped and I walked around the track to eat. But I think in hindsight, when I had the low point between 2am and 6am, maybe it was not only tiredness, but it was probably a lack of real food, which I then took a porridge pot on and things kind of got better. Um, from there so I think maybe maybe being a little bit more smart with fuel um, and taking on more solid stuff but I think pace wise I probably I probably wouldn't change it if I did it again I, I don't think there's massive margins to be made here and if you're talking another couple of miles it's like only a few seconds a mile overall so yeah, I, I, I probably would need to beg Derek to come and crew for me again because he did a good job. So <laughs> I remember when I woke up at like six on Sunday morning and I messaged Derek and I was like, how's it all going? I was like, she's up in third. I'm so happy. Yada, yada. And then he was like, oh, what does she need to get for the GB qualifier? And I was like, oh, God. So Adrian, poor Adrian is obviously in hospital with his broken body when he fell off his bike. So I was up with like getting Adrian to get me all the stats. 
stats. And the leaderboard stats at six o'clock in the morning, so I could feed it back to Derek. Um, so yeah, you talked about the Scottish record, which is two, three, six, which I think that's hundred percent within your reach. You know, if you think you ran two thirty in your debut at twenty four hour race and I do believe there's only a few 24 hours in people. Mm -hmm. I just think it takes so much out of your body. But again, one of the questions that was asked from the team was, now that you've got a GB qualifier for the 100K and a GB qualifier for the 24 hour, which is a lovely position to be in, do you have any idea where you're going to take that in the future? Do you want to have a crack at both? Yeah, I think next year, if uh, my probably my, my heart is saying the 100K next year, I'm young enough and still probably got the speed that I want to maximise that. And, well, it's the world's as well. So well, and I'm, I'm off on holiday. It kind of just feels yeah. right. Anyone can run a 24 hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I could do that for years to come. And yeah. I mean, I'm not going to cut my nose off. If the 100k doesn't materialise, I'll, I'll happily go and beg for a spot on the 24. But... Yeah, my heart is with the 100k for the GB team next year, if that, if that is going to be a possibility. Yeah, and Berlin's my favourite city in the world, by the way, so I'm free. Oh, <laughs> it's on the podcast. So it's I'll, uh, I'll come and have you some mouldy bottles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's Grant. How did you, just look in the 24 hour, and obviously we've mentioned Derek quite a few times, and Derek is a formidable character in his own right. Um, who obviously adores you and I, Iona. I don't know why he puts up with you two. I've been... <laughs> but um, how do you, obviously you've seen it now and the importance of having crew in a 24-hour race. And um, you're just talking about that. You know, there's a lot of people who do races that don't have the crew. And, uh, you know, there's probably little chance of you running 230 without him being by your side the whole time. How important was Derek being there for you? This is your chance to thank him. I know, honestly, and I said that, I said thank you, and I'm like, it just doesn't seem, like, suitable. Um, he was brilliant. Just, I think, the, because we'd run the 180 miler together, he just gets me, and he's seen me suffer and come back out of it. So I think he, he probably knows me better and maybe can recognise when I'm wavering or when I'm having a bit of a crisis better than I can certainly when I'm tired and I'm in the middle of a race I think you need somebody to be able to identify these issues and address them before they become serious problems um he didn't sleep during the 24 which I really appreciated um I don't think he would go and spend 25 minutes boiling the kettle ever again because I told him it was too long um I just liked seeing him on the laps even just for a thumbs up or a like a wee smile or like am I doing all right and just it was just so reassuring and he kept giving me stats in the end when the brain's not working and you're thinking I'm, I can't do anything I'm just running but you can do it because he said to me you've got half an hour left three minutes a lap 10 laps and he was doing the maths for me so I just had to do what he told me and I was like right I'm under three minutes so I actually think I got about 11 laps in the last half hour and I had my godson there for the last hour with a wee sign and I thought I can't let him down like I can't walk he's come to see me and he thinks I've he calls it the Olympics he thinks I run <laughs> in the Olympics so I thought I need to just I need to keep going I've, I've got somebody here that thinks the world of me and thinks I'm amazing so I've got to show him that I am and just to show that Derek is the true friend that he is he was circulating videos of you vomiting down the toilet afterwards <laughs> Yeah, that was, oh, I mean, no doubt that I left everything, I literally left everything at the track, but I know that I've worked to my absolute maximum and I couldn't have done any more. Yeah, absolutely. So how's your recovery been this week? Uh, not bad. Sunday horrendous, Monday horrendous. Monday was the day we travelled home, so getting in and out of the car at service stations, I just kept seizing up, but definitely turned a corner kind of Tuesday, Wednesday and I, I just feel like a bit beat up. My legs, they're still achy and they're sore and they're quite empty and, but I'm I'm definitely recovering. I'm, I'm tired though. I've not stopped sleeping. <laughs> well that's good. That's good that you can actually <laughs> sleep. So uh, have you got anything um, 
else in the pipeline did I ask? Uh, well, a marathon next oh, year. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want that elusive sub three. So. Oh, I thought hopefully. you had sub three. So, are no. you like, one or something? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was quite close. Yeah, you've got to smash that. That's got to be done. Yeah. Did you what have marathon? a marathon? What marathon are you uh, focusing on? Edinburgh. 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 So if you can get the winds to be pretty much non-existent that day, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> we've, we've got a friends that we can speak to about that. So. Is that <laughs> yeah, so that's end of May. Oh, so I thought, like a roaster. I know. I, <laughs> I thought though, if the ACP is March, then it should be sufficient recovery time because the training will be very similar for both. Um, so, yeah, that is the plan. So that, that leads us on to uh, Steve's favourite subject. Do you want to go, like, down the Shanker route? I did, I did notice that, yeah, you, you've been wearing Schwanker's favourite trainers, a wee bit of vapour flies or yes. alpha so flies. Like, um, the vapour fly next percent, Two was what I wore for the 100k honestly those things just in terms of probably your recovery after it I pulled up from the 100k and I felt like I'd done and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to brag or anyone that was suffering but <laughs> my legs felt amazing but then obviously after the 24 I didn't wear them on the 24 because I didn't think I would get a benefit right. I had the tempo next percent which I've got the foam but not the plate they were amazing as well. I only got a couple of blisters and I've got about 500 miles on them and they served me well. Brilliant. And the track at Gloucester, it was, a, was it a spongy track? Yeah, there's definitely a bit of bouncing. It's one of the, yeah, like the orange kind of, I felt the bounce because I don't run on them often, but a few of the folk that run on them were like, oh, we're not aware of it, but you do feel like Tigger a wee bit. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's one of those things that you pull them out the bag to give you that little extra, isn't it? It's something that you can bring on race day, isn't it? So it's good to have that. Um, so we've, you know, just talking about some of the things that I've got from the team here, and they just want to know a little bit about some of your backgrounds as well. So now that you've seemed to have gone through the whole spectrum of racing, what would you say is your favourite distance and why? Um, so I love I love marathon above marathon to hundred k probably seems to be a bit of a sweet spot, um, but I think whatever I'm training for specifically at that time that is my favourite and I get fully invested in that at the time. So you you don't race very often, do you? so? Is it kind of like you just put all your eggs in one basket? Yeah, pretty much. I I've made the mistake when I was quite new to running. I was running midweek, I was running weekends, and that was pretty much for about two or three years, and it's just too much. Yeah. And what's your favourite terrain to run on? So where do you do most of your training as well? Oh, um, probably roads, kind of. I run quite a bit um, on my lunch runs at work with my pal, uh, Jack, which is amazing. That I've known Jack for about 12 years, and we're lucky enough to work in the same office and have pretty much the same goals on a lot of our races and training. So we get out at lunch and we do a lot of road running, but I like to mix up for the weekend and hit the hills or the trails with my two van buddies, Ayla and Derek. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so I think Nikki had asked one of the questions, um, which you touched on before and how you switched up your training and you dropped some of the mileage to increase some of the intensity. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what a training week would look like when you were going into the 100k? When I asked Nikki the same question on that, she was casually dropping in that she was running 125 mile weeks. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she was no. like, this is dead normal. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what are we no, describing I, on this? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not coached by anyone. And I, I've quite liked the freedom of, I don't actually plan out anything in advance apart from the night before. And roughly know, I know I'll get a long run, I know I'll get a couple of speed sessions and I know maybe do a bit of hill work and a couple easier runs. So it, the build-up was, I was doing two speed sessions a week, usually a shorter interval one, maybe on a Tuesday, and then longer intervals on a Thursday. And then I would take, and they, sometimes they'll be on a kind of hillier route, so I don't always pick flat for my intervals. Um, and then at the weekend, I would maybe do like, say, a 20-mile run, with three 5k pickups running at like I don't know 620 or 630 pace so it's 
it was always a faster pace than I was planning the 100k but I wanted to be comfortable running uncomfortably just and it it just felt good it was something I always went into thinking oh I don't know if I'm going to pull off these splits but when I did I thought right that's that's another one bagged and um, I just would change it up a wee bit week by week Um, I'd love to say there was a bit of a formula but it was just kind of what I fancied and I just mixed up the training venue a wee bit and yeah there's not much science to it (laughs) no it seems very organic but it seems to work for you so all these people that are going down these rigid coaching plans might just (laughs) take a leaf out your book and one of the other questions that came back was um your dream races um you are in terms of ultra running you're still a pop are you 34 yeah you're very young very young so uh the world's your oyster so uh, what do you have any races or dream races on your bucket list or something that you or even adventures it doesn't necessarily need to be races that you know you see yourself doing in the next 10-15 years um, well the long term plan was a GB vest it just seems that that might come in quicker um, and if it does next year then I'll honestly you'll try and wipe the smile off my face Um but I love adventures. I love going away for weekends away and like doing things that probably are not my favourite things to do. Like I'm not massive on Munro bagging, but I just enjoy the company that I do it with. So kind of spoken about town and we would love to go out and do like UTMB route over maybe three days. Um, so maybe not doing the race itself, but going out and just experiencing yeah. some of what other people have enjoyed. I, I've done the UTMB over three days. I did it with uh, two of my friends and uh, it was the best experience. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And I did the race because obviously I did three days of recce and I was so underwhelmed by the whole race thing. It was just, it's too it's too big and too jazzy and too noisy. Yeah. Whereas doing it over three days, is a, it's really tough, but it's a phenomenal experience. It's just the best way to enjoy the route. Yeah. So do you have any other races that you think you'd like to do? Uh, maybe some more of the marathon majors. Uh, obviously, if travel opens up and stuff, because I've done London, um, but I'd love to love to do Berlin Marathon, Tokyo. Just it would just be really good. Be good to get the the whole collection. Um, so we'll see. There was a talk though that I've maybe got a Spartan qualifier from my this uh, sort of my time that I took to cover the hundred miles at the track there on. Saturday, so oh, the Spartathlon, yeah. yeah sorry, <laughs> yeah, the Spartans like the OC thing. Yeah, so that's a potential as well. But yeah. no, nothing is like in the immediate future. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm happy being relatively local and um, just keeping maybe going to the ACP every year. <laughs> Yeah, I would quite like you to continue going to the ACP as well. Steve, I feel like I've absolutely commandeered this whole interview, so I apologise. I'm obviously stepping in for John this week, because John's away on his holidays to Irvine. Yeah, jo- John's in the uh, the bright lights at Irvine. And Largs. 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 Yes, yeah. You are a more than fitting substitute, Debbie. Thank <laughs> I feel you. like I should go in some pie chat at some point. I feel like I've let this well, John did message me. He says, "Remember, ask Joe this. Do you know? And it's 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 typical questions that interest John. Things like, how many times did you go for a pee during oh, well. a twenty-four hour race? <laughs> Do you know? Because y- you look at your splits and you think, wait a minute, they're all pretty much the same. <laughs> I think he was going. Did she ever even stop for the toilet? <laughs> yeah, no, I did." <laughs> And, um, and and obviously interested about um, your your run rewards. Do you know the, the the calorie deficit that you faced after that weekend must have been quite substantial. And yeah. um, the, have you have you been able to let loose a wee, a wee bit? Um, treat yourself to some. I'd love to say I, but I honestly have been proper struggling to take in enough stuff. I've just got a hankering for crisp sweets and McDonald's. So, I mean, it, it could be worse, but it's Absolutely. like sporadic. I'll get a wee taste for something and then I'm not hungry for hours and then I'm starving again. 
So I'm hoping it'll settle down. I'd like to get a wee drink this weekend and enjoy maybe a proper meal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, back shifts or something to look forward to, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. And the other question that John and I have got for you, so you're inspiring us, you're inspiring lots of people, Joe, with what you're doing. Um, but who inspires you? Who's your big inspirations? Oh, I just, this is going to sound so cheesy, Debbie's here, but people like like Debbie and... Oh, shucks. But yeah, I don't uh, like... Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. <laughs> I just love seeing, like, Debbie's somebody that's, like, consistent and doesn't, you don't race a lot either, and you'll go and you'll, you always pull it out of the bag as well, like, you're on 100, I had no doubt that you were going to be on the podium, but it's, and we know it's never a given, but you're just so consistent. You go and you do well at races. And if if I can keep doing that for the next 10 years and beyond, I'll be delighted. There you go. Thank you very much. So we we, we ask about dialect dictionary every week. It would be a miss of us not not to get a a dialect dictionary (laughs) nomination in from you, Joe. Hopefully you've thought of one. Well, you know, I was researching last night and I thought it shouldn't be this difficult. You should either just have one or not. So I'm going to have to let you down. I just don't have one. (laughs) Sure, Derek will be able to fill in one for you. Yeah, I think Derek should supply one on your behalf. Or what was the most used word by Joe in a 24-hour race? Oh, probably the the F word. That makes me so proud. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to do a wee pep talk and I regularly said to myself, Monty fuck Joe, when I was wavering and that was, that was that's all I needed. <laughs> and there we have your dialect dictionary word for the week. Monty fuck. <laughs> all one word. <laughs> oh man. So, no, well, um, I think, we've, have we covered everything that we wanted to there, Debbie? Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually just really great to hear it from the horses' mouths because, um, you know, just I think there was a lot of people following the race and um, annoying Derek for updates and, like, nobody had any doubt that you were just going to go out there and smash it. Just not only because, like, because of your talent, but I just knew you, like, your mental strength and um, your attitude towards it was the thing that's going to carry you through and that's what you really need for a 24-hour race. You just need to park yeah. your ego and go out there and I know there was quite a few people in the race I know that you you were with Jen Wood and um, I thought you and Jen would be definitely on there for your one too and I think she just didn't have that endurance or I know she had an injury in her knee Um, but yeah she's definitely one to watch because you're both very similar like you love running in loops and laps on the track it's weird as fuck (laughs) (laughs) you both just have that mental attitude where you just you you were both do really well and I knew you would absolutely smash it and it's just phenomenal to see absolutely phenomenal I think the I remember Nikki had asked last night um, at what point did you think you were going to finish the 24 hour and well as soon as I entered it like I've 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 entered something, so I'll finish it, and by whatever means. So just to have been able to keep running still at the end of the twenty-four hours, I think you you can't go into a race like that with any doubt. There's got to be a belief that you will complete it, because those doubts become like just little devils on your shoulder when you're tired and you're hungry and you're looking for an excuse to stop. That's the one thing. If you think, well, maybe I'm not capable of finishing this that's when it'll bite you. So, yeah, I think just having a bit of self-belief and that you will complete it. Yeah, I think with these things, you've got an opportunity to quit every 400 metres. Um, and just that drive to go on. I think like a 24-hour race, like you can't DNF it. Your distance is your distance and that's just it. Although I went to Barcelona once and I was like so sick I shouldn't have got on the flight. And um, <clears throat> I DNF'd after 12k. I DNF so early, the guys didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> they were just like, what do you want me to do with this chip? I was like, I'm done. <laughs> My 24 hour experience was at Glenmore, more, and I, I had a good kip for six hours. So. <laughs> Crashing, brilliant. That's what I love it. But yeah, I think like with a 24 hour race, it's amazing to see because I've seen and witnessed quite a few of them. And how like the race makeup completely changes after twenty six miles. 
Like once you get 26 miles of the book, there's just like people who just go out and it's like, you know, there's this amazing car crash waiting to unfold. And it's just, I'm guessing it would have been different in Gloucester because it was quite, a, you know, a super qualified field. But just watching after like four hours and how the race just completely changes and people start going backwards yeah. really early on. Yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, there's no doubt that every single person on that start line was fit. There was people that were fitter than me. But and there was another girl there, Nicola, who was from Ireland, and she was so consistent. I don't think she actually even changed her top. She wore a T-shirt the whole time. But she just plugged around those laps, not at any great pace, but I think she got about 126 miles, and she was just going the whole time. And she was way at the back, and she didn't care what anybody else was doing. And I just loved kind of being a part of everybody's race and seeing how differently people take on a 24-hour yeah, it is different because some people just attack from the gun and then obviously the, the smart move is always just to play it easy, which you did. And I was so pleased when you were so far down the leaderboard because I knew you were going to absolutely smash it. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I spent all a Saturday and then Sunday morning just like refreshing the app, just seeing, I was looking at your splits and everything, like a right saddle and then comparing them to other people's. So I'm showing my wife going, look at this, she's still doing like, draw 240 laps. Draw, she's hardly dropped at all. It was, it, it was a brilliant, it was much better than anything on the television, even though it was just, and the live feed, do you know, there was a live feed of them crossing the start and finish. I'm assuming you changed direction at some point. Yeah, every four hours. That was the other question before I forget. I think it was Nikki that also asked, or someone, what was your favourite direction? Do you know, I never had one. I just embraced, there was five changes. So it's like, I just looked forward to those changes. But the change between 16 and 20 hours, I swear that that was longer than four hours because it felt like it. But uh-huh. no one direction was better. It was just nice to be doing something different. Blows your mind, right? Oh, I mean, imagine looking forward to turning round. What <laughs> it is, it's like, oh, here we go. And it's almost like a reset button though, isn't it? Yeah, I did. Uh, I had music. I only made me a playlist. So I know she couldn't be there because she's now um, teaching, but she'd made me a playlist. And uh, D-Ream, Things Can Only Get Better, was <laughs> belting out at about, oh, it must have been the small hours. So I was, of course, I was singing it. Things did get worse before they got better, but... It just like put a wee smile on my face like having like somebody had obviously kind of taken the time to think of a playlist and it was all really appropriate songs to the moment and yeah I was crying laughing just having a good time bad time but I was I was enjoying it I was really appreciative yeah and have any other plans to do another 24 hour or are you just waiting for your GB call up now yeah, maybe if I've only got three in my debs, then I might as well make See, it. I didn't you. limit it. I just said I believe. Yeah, no, I'll wait. I'll wait till a special occasion. I'll maybe do another one. This is really on the hundred k. Yeah, on your marathon sub marathon. See, just before we leave your twenty four hour, I saw your finishing photo of getting presented. You're a candle holder. That's yeah. so amazing. What even is was that? Was that like a and the chap who's presenting? Yes, it seemed quite a character, um, <laughs> just by his appearance. Um, quite a impressive beard on him. Yes, he looked, else. Like a, looked like a lion. Um, yeah, that's I, a good description. The most bizarre thing I've ever won at a race before. So it's. Come back. It's my ring doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, I'm it's sure it's got pride of place in the mantelpiece. It's in the it's in the hall. <laughs> it's, it's I looked at it and I had to zoom in the picture because I was like, "What even is that? <laughs> is it like a stand with a candle and some ribbons? All of the above." <laughs> Than you could ever do it. It's something different, I suppose. We'll pop the picture up on our social so that everybody can get an ebb. Yeah, I'll pop, pop the picture with Joe being presented it because everything about that picture confused me. It's, it's, it's actually a bizarre picture. I'm looking at it right now and it's like, okay, where's this guy trekked in from? I don't know. I was like, what is that picture? Oh, oh brilliant. Lucky, 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 luc
Oh, it's immaculate. It's um, yeah. Yeah. Podcast can... art stuff that. Okay, before we wrap it up, then, Joe, is there anything else you'd like to add, or something that we haven't covered that you feel like our listeners should know? Uh, no, I just there. Do you know I... how I do that? I just bumped John. <laughs> it's like our listeners. Listen to that. <laughs> He's away. Um, Dead man walking. Man. Anyway. I think the thing is pace, pace, pace. That's like that's all I could say to anybody. Never I never set off at a pace I know I won't maintain, but I think it's just having that belief that what you're doing is right. So I just I can't emphasize enough people just need to pace the races. That's a really good point. I think people will, you know, watch or just seen what you did at the weekend and I think in their head they'll just presume that you're dropping seven minute miles and mm. um, it, it's you know it'd be really inspiring for people to know that you're actually just going out running 9.30s and 10 minute miles and that's how you manage to achieve something so great um, so yeah it was a per- perfectly executed and controlled race I think you controlled it from the start and that really played dividends in the, the latter hours that's for sure yeah Absolutely awesome. I think um, we spoke about it earlier on and just to kind of finish up on it is to do it with this happy disposition that you've got about you and understanding how infectious that is for for everybody around you and everybody. And that's why I'm sure why Derek wants to help. Do you know what I mean? It's like because you want to be part of that positiveness, even us even having you on the podcast you know it's because it's, it's rubbing off on us all so you know just keep on doing what you're doing because it's it's absolutely stunning thank you i really appreciate that huge congratulations i think there's so many people just so happy for you yep okay right we better start wrapping up um, thank you very, very much, Joe, for giving up your time and coming on and giving us the lowdown on what's been an epic weekend and an epic year and an epic running journey, so to speak. Um, it's been it's been great to get the exclusive. Before we leave as well, Debbie's going to come on sometime soon and tell us all about autumn 100s and stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty to talk about. What am I going to talk about? Plenty. Plenty. It's, it's also it's also near marathon time as well. All oh, right, okay, I get that. Maybe I might do a short one on Mark. I can't believe that's coming around so soon. I might just forget to open up the group on Facebook. Tartan running shorts. Do you have your tartan running shorts on? I did. I. I've got them on eBay for three pound more. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. I appreciate Righto. it. Nice speak Brilliant speaking to you. See you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yes.